Hey, Josh. Hey, Nate. How are you this week? I'm doing good. Yeah, it's uh, kind of a weird time of day for me. Normally we record during the day, and now yep. it's nighttime. And so it feels like uh, feels like Nate's ready for bedtime. <laughs> yeah, uh, thanks for accommodating the, the change of time. I have a bit of some scheduling challenges this week with um, uh, my spouse. She's taken a girl's trip this week. So uh, I am... I am solo parenting with kids still in school, different things, but, um, yeah, nothing, nothing to make you appreciate your spouse, like having them gone for a weekend or so. Oh yeah, definitely. Um, and, but I, I, I really, she really needs this break and I really were, I'm excited. I'm as excited for her to have this break to just during the COVID year and everything. She's just shouldered so much. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's, that's good. Cool. So what do you want to talk about this week? Well, I think I saw in the notes that we were going to talk something about onboarding. What uh, what did you have in mind with that? Uh, yeah, I guess it's, um, you know, I had some thoughts about what we've done and some major changes Referral Rock has done in the past. I would say, I don't know, probably at least the past year or so. It's been a long time in the making of changing our core uh, like program editing experience, if that makes sense. Okay, okay. So like like you're talking about like setting up people's referral s- systems or like what what do you mean by yeah, that? Yeah, I mean I mean the whole tracking back, you know, we we run uh, referral programs. Uh, we're a SaaS that runs referral marketing programs. So refer a friend you know, get $10 off and your friend also gets $10 off, you know, that type of thing. So, so yeah, the businesses will have to design these programs. And if you think about it, there's visual elements, there's like rules, like the reward rules. Um, and there's there's all kinds of things that sort of go into it uh, to, to, to make it work, you know, to make it so that at the end product, you have a referral program that has a widget and it has a page for people to register. It has all of these, these lots of things, right? Right, right. So like this is, I'm imagining if people are setting up the referral programs, this probably like is a big deal for them when they're first getting started in your software, right? Like that's probably one of the first big things that they encounter. Right. And you know, the typical thing is like trying to get people to value first, right? Like the, the, Mm -hmm. uh, the conventional wisdom on on onboarding, right, right. So, what what kind of prompted you to dive into this? Like, were you having problems, or like? Uh, <laughs> I would say there's always opportunity, right? So there was it was never. I would say like in the early days when we first launched the product, like the experiences we provided and the pages were very simplistic at that point in time, and over time you know, you, you keep feature creeping and adding things for customers, but you're holding on and staying to the existing version. And then when you finally make some backend changes to make it so they can do bigger and better stuff, you're also not going to redo the editor then too. So you're kind of like tick-tocking back and forth of just appending things together, if that makes right. sense. Right. So you just keep, you keep sliding in new features, but you haven't really given it a whole 
you know, like this is the overall way to think about editing this, this, uh, widget. Right. And do you have like two sides of the coin, like two, the, the editor and let's say the, the actual things you're, you're the end result that the customer's seeing. And for us, it was a large challenge because you always have legacy ones you have like, and you're, I, I've always been of the opinion, um, well, I've seen so many projects die that never yep. make it to version two. Do you know what I mean? Like, yep. <laughs> and, and this, and that's probably, that is a path to go. So we, we've continued to take a more iterative approach and like TikToking back and forth, like fix this one side and then fix this other side and then fix this other side. Um, but what you end up with is a very uh, misaligned and like kind of bumpy, bumpy road is is like there's always things to smooth out that are never quite right because you didn't design it that way from scratch right and like that's so important for when people get started in the software because like that's the time when they're making uh they might be making a purchase decision at that point and like they they're probably doing a significant amount of work to get you know to see what their their value is right so it's like let's let's grease the wheels on that part as much as possible right and what what saved us for a long time was um, we threw people at the problem. So we had a very strong customer success team. We were very, we knew uh, it was better to get them in a demo and get them talking to a person that could help them onboard and set that up, whether it was like in a sales call, understanding how it works and explaining it and kind of like glossing over the gory details that would it take to edit it. Um, and then also providing like an onboarding experience with uh, like a professional services type of thing as well. So yeah, that we were, right. we sort of used that as a crutch for a long time, which was great. Like we also, there's immense advantages of doing that as well. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, that actually makes a lot of sense. Like as an early onboarding tool to get people to do it, because um, when your customer has questions, they're just going to ask, right? Because they're, they're talking and whatever. Um, and your people also are going to have in-depth knowledge of like what parts of this process are clunky and hard to hard to do. So it really sets you up well to to automate that later. Right. So we had a tons of insights where all the problems were, where all the nuance was, where how customers were expecting things to work versus just where the trouble spots were, were that the, uh, you know, customer success people would know what to gloss over. So um, what, what we ended up with, though, is like, yeah, we had a lot of expertise hand-to-hand <laughs> um, -hand and a lot of, uh, like, you know, both quantitative and qualitative data on what we needed to improve. The problem was we still had to make that leap at some point. Right. Yeah. And that's um, how, how long is it? How long would you say it's been that you've had the people running the process till you you did this upgrade? Oh man, I mean, we've been having we've had people on this problem for like three years. You know, it's like it's oh. a large a large majority of the time because at that point too, that's what you know got the revenue um, running. You know, once the nice right. thing with our type of software was once you got people onboarded and and like set their programs up, it was more or less set and forget, right? Like, so you didn't have to really go through the pain of that setup again. It wasn't like they needed to talk to them every day to help them like use a day-to-day -day product because the UX was, was 
so terrible. So, right. So really you could just kind of wait until, you know, you had the resources available, right? Like you, you said, like you said, you're building up another part of the business and then you can come back and fix this afterwards. That's kind of neat that you did that. So is there other, like you mentioned the editor, was there more kind of steps that you uh, tried to grease or was it kind of just that one? Uh, I mean, there were all kinds of little hacks in between. Like, you know, we did, we put videos in the product, like it's little, like when it, when you did start to sign up for a pro sign up and then you went into the program editor, it would show you a video kind of walking through and telling you the highlights, different things like that. So we've worked at it a lot of these little iterative steps. Um, mm. But one, one thing I wanted to track back to is you asked how long. So it's yeah. what's funny. How long have we been like this? And it was never intended to be like that for that long, right? It always, things always take a little longer. Uh, and I've looked back in our notebooks and the things like even my early sketches of a redesigned program editor, yeah. uh, that was that was over two years ago. So it was planned oh. to probably be within like the one to two year time, but mm -hmm. it ended up much longer. Yeah. There's, there's so many things like that though, right? Like you, you just get busy and you know, you don't, uh, you don't get to the things that you might want to get to. I mean, I think a big part of that was having the right team in place. So what really, I, I probably had about a year I was trying to, find the time myself or we use designers to help me and not until mm. I found uh, a product manager um, about I guess a little less than a year ago um, mm. kind of took some of the existing designs that were already going that direction and just sort of took it more by the horns and I had someone to really just uh, that was going to pay much more attention to the UX had could work with the dev team much better than mm -hmm. the, you know, 10% time I was trying to allocate towards moving this forward. So, yeah. Yeah. It's just one of those things that you didn't have time for yet. Right. So, I mean, I know people have horror stories of never getting to version two or you have, <laughs> or like supporting the legacy version. So yeah, I, I'm happy with the way it ended up. Um, like it's, it's not a perfect clean migration. Like there's still some people stuck on the old editor and we're, we're working to kind of, you know, rule out those little conditions that can move those people to the new editor. But at the same time, for the same reasons, they don't need to use the editor very much uh, because their programs are already running. Right. Exactly. Yeah. And I guess like this is kind of different from just regular onboarding setup where, people are coming back to the same editor. So it's an onboarding experience, but it's also a, you know, a maintenance experience that you're, you're managing. So you get those legacy people who are used to a certain way of working and it has to continue to work for them. Well, most of the time, the managing of the programs are like issuing rewards and things like that. They're not, they're not often changing like the visuals and the, mm. and even the program, like the way we've sort of designed it. They're, were meant to be like evergreen programs. So, yeah. Um, but yeah, you know, but you're right. Once they're in there, they know they just have to change one thing. They know where those things are. They don't, they don't need to rebuild this mental model on themselves for themselves mm -hmm. of how it actually works. Yeah. So I did kind of have a tangent question on that. Um, just like, have you, have you tried to, I guess, make, referral rock kind of like a unified mental model for your customers like that from 
the point that they see your marketing material till the point that they're an established customer that all through that journey, they feel like they're just, you know, hitting step after step, like this makes sense. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, let's, you know, next step. Yeah, I mean, I think that was a big part of what this overhaul was. So there were definitely big hitches in the in our in our previous workflow. So um, one of the big epiphanies that we had was just trying to really understand when someone said like, hey, referral program. And even if I asked you, like, what's the first thing that comes to mind? Like, if you had to set up a referral program? Uh, like referral program? Um, I'm imagining handing out business cards to, to people, something like that. Okay. Maybe, <laughs> maybe that, maybe that wasn't a great question. <laughs> so, no. uh, but what, I guess I, what we found is most people associated, especially if you were going to use software to do one, right? Um, right. the first association is like the widget, the share widget, the, the, like, mm. you know, the, the middle, uh, input box with a copy button on the right hand side and you mm. have like your own you know, personalized URL, and there's probably some social media buttons on the bottom, or an input box to put in people's email addresses and a pre canned message that and then you hit send, right? Like, yeah, you've yeah. probably seen these before. Yeah, now that you mentioned that, I've totally seen the widget. Right. And what's funny is when we, we take employees through onboarding, and they knew what referral programs were. And one of the little onboarding exercises is like, like go find referral programs out in the wild. It's a, and we like give you a hint, just like log into most of your like consumer types of software or, or things like that. And it's one of those things where like after that, it's like, I can't unsee them. They're everywhere now. Like I can't. <laughs> so, yeah. uh, so, but that was, so that's how we realized later on, like how much that that was really the core piece. So, you need to see that right away. And the way we had a workflow, it was like the registration page. It was like all this other, like it was more of the experience of an end user going through it. Like, oh, I need to register for the referral program. I need to do this and I need to see all these different things. Or maybe we were asking them previously about like, what do they want their um, their reward rules to be? And it was basically made them think too hard <laughs> and do all these things where like we didn't show them what they wanted to see first, which is like, I want to see the widget. I want to see the widget and I want to slap my logo on it. Like, yeah. Yeah. And so that, that mental model, and it took us a while to be able to switch up that workflow to meet that, that way first. Um, because it's funny because we offer a whole portal. So the widget actually goes inside a portal or it can be embedded in your site, but we have to, so we flipped it around to just show the widget independently and later on, like, like drip you into the fact that you also have a portal and here's that widget you just designed. And now it's inside this whole portal and things like that. So, yeah, but that's such an easy thing to fall into though. Like where you have like, as as someone who owns the software or, or who has built the software, you're thinking of like what what does this person want like need to do to get the end result? And you're like, oh, they've got to do these fifty different configuration steps. So I'll just you know order them one through fifty and they'll do it. And it's like it doesn't always work that way, right? Like you often have to kind of take it like almost like you're teaching somebody, right? It's like you take the a very simple concept and then you just slowly expand on it, and you have to show show progress for each thing, like a, a reward for each step in the progress. Right. 
Yeah. And you have to just like kind of breadcrumb them, right? Like it has to be, I know, you know, like, uh, you know, we had Ramley on the podcast and, you know, he talked about a lot of tips and just basically trying to like keep them in line and keep them on rails and keep showing them iterative, iterative pieces that move it forward versus like, if you have these longer stretches where they're in there of like working on stuff and don't get to see any end result or, or any even just value to them from a visual standpoint, mm-hmm. you know, they, they might just check out or get confused or frustrated. Like, where's my, th- why, why are you asking me all this stuff? Why are you rounding yeah. me all around these circles and whatever? So. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's so much like where the context makes sense, right? Like, when you get when they get into the referral program for you, they're they're already like they're already thinking about the widget. So if you show them the widget right away and be like, "Here, you can customize it. Cool, eh?" Then they're like, "Oh yeah, yeah, I'm in the right place. I'm doing the right thing. This is going to be great." And then you pump them up so high that they'll go through all the rules and jargon that you want to get them through. Right, right. So I, I think I, earlier I mentioned like two hitches. So that was one of them, and the the other one, which always required handholding from the customer success team was the rewards so Hmm. you think about it it's 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 challenging because it's like a bit of a chicken and the egg type of problem where um you would want to let's say you did want to do something like an amazon gift card right um what you would have to do there were two parts of the system there is like setting up the reward rules itself to say okay if date refers a friend and the friend buys Nate's going to get a $10 Amazon gift card, right? Mm. But to actually issue the reward, reward, like you have to set up this other piece, which is like connecting to our back end and uh, doing what would be the Amazon gift card. You have to put in money to get credits and things like that. So the workflow before was like, oh, I'm going to do an Amazon gift card. Okay, now you need to go set up your Amazon gift card account. And it would take you down this rabbit hole of all the things. Again, in my mind, like a developer or like the things that need to happen in a certain order of operations to be complete, like take them yeah. way off, off yeah. the trail, so to speak. So yeah, yeah. so we had to really break up that model and make this so that in the early parts of the interface, when you are establishing the intent of what all the rewards you want to do, it actually doesn't finish them. It leaves them in a half-baked state. Right. So it's yep. like, and then later on, and it, which is actually nice because you can set it all up to do everything, but actually issue the reward. So you can complete, now you can complete your program. You can have the visuals up. You could, you could even launch your program without ever putting the $10 in to give the yeah. $10 gift card. Yeah. Um, but that took a lot of engineering to like <laughs> change that whole, to break up that flow, change up the order of operations. Um, and whatnot it i'm sure you know it doesn't it, it's not yeah. inconsequential to break kind of those types of workflows but but to the user it just took them down this divergent path to where the the cs person would have to like explain okay we well, gotta do this you gotta do this but i just want to get back to the program it's like no yeah. no no, we gotta do all these other things <laughs> first so now we were able to decouple those and like i said someone could even theoretically run a program without ever actually issuing the rewards um and they can even say like hey it could be twenty dollars it could be fifty dollars i can change it all up and not until the last mile of them actually having to issue it would they have to you know create an escrow account and that type of thing 
so I'm curious, like you get them to, to set up this, like, you know, intense, I guess, like intent to give an Amazon gift card, intent to give whatever. Mm-hmm. And then, um, when, how do you kind of prompt them to make sure they complete that? Or don't so we? that we do. So that ends up being in a different part. And this one is actually a shared part of the system. So you could run multiple programs. So when you do set up your escrow that came from, let's say it was a loyalty program and a affiliate program, you know, that might also use that same, you know, bank of gift cards that you might have. Mm -hmm. Um, You can use the same shared pool later, but there's a different section of the, of the editor outside the program itself. um, More Mm -hmm. in like uh, that we call, it's just the payouts area. So there you can also like see your balances um, know that you'll need to. And so right now, if you went there, it'd be like, oh, here's your Amazon thing. And it would be like incomplete setup. Like you need to basically complete this operation to be able to issue cards um, and and actually add, add money to your balance. Mm-hmm. But I guess what I'm curious is like, are you, is it kind of this thing where um, people initial initially setting up their account, their concern is I want to get the widget and I want to have it on my site. Um, and I want to have my program, you know, mostly squared away so I can say that I've, you know, done a, done my, my bid on it and then I can send it over to finance or whatever and get it finished off. And you're almost like kind of getting their incentives aligned at the right times. Like at the beginning, they don't care so much about getting the payouts and every last little detail sorted out. Mm-hmm. They just want to, you know, see some progress, get the widget and and get going and then when it's like oh i want to do payouts now because i want people to actually use this then it's like okay now i'm incentivized to get that last bit done now i'll do that right yep that's exactly how it is now (laughs) and and it's a thing it's a thing of beauty (laughs) but i think that's so that's so great because it's like you're not um when you do it that way you're not requiring people to do things like i think that's a lesson uh, I had to learn like growing up is like, you can't, you can't force someone to do something, right? You have to, you have to persuade them to do it or maybe they, or convince them that they want to do it. So if, uh, if they've, if they're convinced to do it and you don't have to do any persuasion, like that's just, you know, the easy way to get people to do things. Right. Right. It's easier to be like, Oh, by the way, uh, before you, you know, go on to my rock climbing wall, you have to sign this waiver, but they're not going to like make you jump through all those hoops, like before you even get there. Right. It's like, they, yeah. you know, they wait to the last mile to where you're like already, already committed. Um, and it's yeah. where, where it, they have to do it. And, but otherwise it would seem like a deterrent and um, an inconvenience that could potentially be a blocker. Right. They put it up when you can taste the, taste the goodness, <laughs> not when you're, you know, at the door, just thinking about it. Right. Exactly. So. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. I've been thinking a bunch about, uh, onboarding with my products on our stuff, just trying to, trying to think about like how, how to get people in the software and how to, how to make that transition easy for them. And I think like you're talking about like using people, I think that's, that's kind of where I'm going to start with just, uh, doing it myself and talking to people. And I hope that that, uh, that helps with that. Right. I mean, you're already doing a bit of that with the the outreach, right? That's how you've been talking to a good number of people for the product. Is that, is yeah. that correct? Yeah, I guess you're I guess you're right. That is technically onboarding, I guess. I haven't really well, thought of it that way. 
Well, it's a big part of it. I was just saying, like, you're you're kind of continuing it. They have no expectation that, like, and if anything, it would be more jarring for them. We're like, hey, da, 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 da. okay, just go fill out this stuff, and like, then it's like, wait, yeah. what? Like, I thought this, <laughs> this was a little more, you know, white glove, or or you're asking, you're you're peppering me with all these questions, thinking of what I'm trying to un- trying to understand exactly what I want out of your service, and all of a sudden, like that like you talked about the mental model. And I think that's a big part of it is trying to keep that aligned. And when you're a human, <laughs> you can be very fluid with that, right? Like when they talk mm-hmm. about this, and you can be like, oh yeah, I could jump to that part of the conversation. Or if they think about it in a different way you are, you're just collecting that information in reverse order. And then you can be like, oh, and by the way, I also need this, this, and this. And then it's like, oh, okay. But they've already given you the stuff that they thought that, they thought what you needed. Um, yeah, and now yeah. uh, you're not like blocking them with required field and can't go by, can't go past this until you fill out this one required thing. Yeah. Yeah. No, that, and that's a big thing that I'm trying to process right now with um, we have this thing where we, when you're comparing products um, to be able to do the mapping between what products compare to what products mm-hmm. um, and different people have different ideas of which products are the same. Um, and so uh, basically we have to get people to upload a file that, you know, gives all of that information. But um, what I'm trying to do is have like a pre-canned version. So that way people can get in the software, they can see and feel it and be like, okay, yeah, I like how this works. And then it's like, oh, you want to upload your custom, you know, mapping file? Go right ahead. Here, Here's your your way you could do that. Mm-hmm. Cool. So, and yeah, just do people have like those that. in different formats too? Or are you... How are you? I'm still exploring that that, that path. Okay. I'm not exactly uh, exactly sure of that. So they ha- do have files of some sort, and you're just going to be like, okay, let me just see what you got, and then I'll kind of try to figure something out after. Yeah. So basically, at this point, it's like let's just have a conversation about mm-hmm. that part, and uh, we'll see where you land on it. And then uh, I, I think at this point, I'm just going to offer offer a service to do the initial mapping for them if they they don't they don't have that, and then. I think it'd be like a, a setup fee or something like that with that, just because it's quite a bit of work. And then, right. uh, yeah, get them uh, get them up and running. Yeah, that's one of the things um, I, I, I think I wanted to bring up last week when we were talking about pricing as well. So I've got to even mention in this whole like putting putting people on the problem. Once we realized that was happening, and just actually how much faster people were onboarding and getting it, how many less questions by by us reaching out and helping them um kind of manually on board so to speak uh yeah. we also charged for it mm. <laughs> um and we also made it that i think i did i tell you that last week like we, we made it it was we six month contracts got it for free so we incentivized uh. them to pay up front get more committed like uh put more money on the line give us more cash flow um, which helped in a variety of ways. One, we also had some commission-based salespeople, so that helped pay parts of their commission from a cash flow yeah. perspective. Two, they, uh, you know, we got the serious people, and then also we could still magically offer a month-to-month plan, but you still had to you had to pay a required uh, like onboarding fee. So we could say, yeah, you do have a month-to-month option. But you also have to pay a four hundred dollar fee. I think in the beginning it was four hundred. Later on, it became eight hundred. Yeah. Um, 
But if you sign up for six months or a year, you get that for free. So uh, that what's is interesting. <laughs> so what's what's funny is interestingly enough is like we would still get some people. There was a two hundred dollar a month plan, and they would pay. They would go month to month, pay the two hundred dollar a month plan, and pay the eight hundred dollar fee. So it was a thousand dollars for one month okay. with yeah. onboarding, and they could have gotten six months for twelve hundred dollars. Wow. <laughs> and there were a surprisingly number of people that like either um, didn't do the math or just was like, well, I'm, I'm not committing for six months. It's not, you know, it just to them, maybe it was more of the time barrier. It was just like, mm. I don't know if I can commit to this for six months yet without, let me just give a month a try. But they were happy to pony up the, uh, the onboarding fee. So that, that's crazy. <laughs> um, but it, it's a, it's a nice hack. And it's funny is, I know you you just brought it up as a and I love how you just kind of walked right into it in terms of just you're know, like hey I'll just you know I'll I'll do it for them I could charge them a fee and it'll yep. be you know it'll be all good and I've actually been surprised the amount of people that have been uh probably especially kind of more indie hacker types that have been averse to that and like if you've um on Michelle's podcast Cam mm. Sloan was on and I don't know if you heard that no. one a, a few weeks ago um he does onboarding software like i think it's like tool tool tips and tutorial like walkthrough types of things okay. um and he's early and but he has like one paying customer one big paying customer that pays him a good amount like 800 dollars a month but was sold as the white glove type of thing and you could hear uh Michelle and Colleen, I think kind of leaning into more like, why don't you just kind of get more of those? And yeah. he was, he was, he was very resistant to it. Um, I know, I know he was taking in a lot of information cause I think he reached out to, to the Twitter sphere on like how he was struggling and whatnot with this stuff. Mm. So he got a lot of advice, you know, he got a lot probably to him at the same time, but the, he did have a very natural resistance to just like services I think like a lot of indie hackers do. And it's also, it's not the dream. The dream is not that I'm like hand onboarding everyone. The dream is people are just inserting and paying $50 a month. And I'm just like laying back and maybe I'm hiring someone to answer support calls. (laughs) Right. Yeah. That's interesting. Cause that's, that becomes a lot more about like, what do I want as a, as a business owner than about like, where can I provide value? Because like there's there's so much value to be provided through services, right? Like you're talking about that um, that onboarding with like that in that in person onboarding. Like that's there's so much flexibility and like people just love that. Um, Even on the on the user end, like yeah, yeah it's like mean. if you you you're telling them you could do it for them, they don't want to do it. <laughs> no, they, and like they're happy to talk to a human being about their problems. Like yeah. especially if that person can help them, like that's that's gold. Right. Right. Um, and I, th- I think that's kind of in the rub too, where a lot of developers like want to figure it out. They don't want to talk to anyone, right? A little might be right. on the a little more introverted side, so that may not be what they want. But mm-hmm. it is what a lot of customers want and would be happy to pay for. And the amount of mm-hmm. insights and customer research uh, you're going to get out of it and get paid to do it. Um, yeah, that's it's like uh, winning all around on that one. Right. Right. So. Yeah. Um, but it's still it's still tough. It's not their dream, but at the same time, I could I would like to say like that 
you know, you might just take a roundabout way to get there. This is, it could be temporary, you know, until you, like what I did three years later, <laughs> build the, build the actual interface you want them to have that you've always wanted them to have so they could self-service more of this. But, yeah. um, but no, yeah. I, and I think I like that model so much that one where you, you start doing things the hard way, right? Like you do it in person, like you're, you're getting on calls and stuff. And then you're, you're slowly building up these, these pieces of automation to help make your life better, right? Like, I think that's really the way to do it because until you've been through that pain and having like, you know, 20 people complain about the same problem in your software, right? Like that's, that's where you get the, the really good results, I think, um, rather right. than just, you know, guessing and building all the automation from the beginning and, you know, nobody talks to you. So you never know when there's a problem. Right. Right. Or you've built it, not, you didn't meet their mental model. I mean, either way, it's just like, you might commit more down a certain path and you might have spent more time in beta and more in engineering and things like that. But mm -hmm. I think for me, we got early revenue um, pretty pretty quick with the with even just a bare minimum type of product. So then kind of keeping that up uh, um, without necessarily doing all the things I wanted to do, but just kind mm -hmm. of, it kept all the lights on. It kept all, and it was like, well, all right, I've got salespeople that can sell it. I've got customer success people that can service them and get them up and running and have them continue to retain. And it's like, I could just keep doing this and it's going to keep building the business until I have time to kind of go back and and fix those and make it more efficient. But I had a pinata that I was hitting and there was enough, enough candy, not a ton just dropping out, but enough candy to like, fall out and build something upon and that's kind of where where the direction we took yeah yeah uh this has been uh this has been great chatting about this did you have any any last thoughts before we close up uh last one is probably because if you weren't <laughs> despite even talking to people and having those insights um they're never i i've learned this lesson of like no one's going to tell you you have an ugly baby. <laughs> uh, so there were other deficiencies in the product just visually, like what the programs looked like. And and I always knew they weren't some of the things early on, again, uh, were, weren't great. And I was, I've always been a bit embarrassed about them. But um, there, until we, this was a different major fix. Like when we fixed the way the programs looked visually to the end customer, um, which was before we did the program editor fixes. When we did that, it was also like a light bulb moment that came on. And it was just like, I didn't realize how bad the other one was. Like how, I mean, I knew it was bad and I knew it could be improved. But we, again, one of those things you just kept patching on on top of and adding other features and appendages. Um, yeah. But once we kind of took a clean slate approach, and I could talk about this one a different day, but how this migration went. But once we had that, it was like a, you know, churn dropped, like customer satisfaction went up, even with the rough editor. But yeah. um, no one, and it was like, no one told us, no one, even even people demoing it, because what are you going to do on a demo call? You're going to be like, uh, is this really the interface? Like, is this really <laughs> the, how my end program is going to look or whatnot? So yeah. that kind of tip of like, there's still some things they're not going to tell you and you still have to take kind of a, a gut shot on or you kind of know and you, it's not, you think it's okay, but it really wasn't. <laughs> mm -hmm. 
So that's basically the whole thing of like the mom test, right? It's just like to to ask inquisitive questions so that people can't will tell you the truth on those things. Or even True. like or even that you get those crazy customers that complain about everything. And mm-hmm. it's actually worth listening to them sometimes because sometimes they will call out some of those things like, I think your interface is ugly and you're like Oh, you're just a crazy person. But like, True. if you actually right. take two minutes to listen to them, there's a few things in there sometimes that are, they're actually good. You're right. You're right. There probably were people out there calling my baby ugly and I just didn't listen or like, were too be- busy just moving on to the people that weren't bothered Page. enough by it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, totally. So. Cool. All right. All right. Well, All right. we'll, uh, we'll see you next week, Josh. All right. Thanks again for making the time tonight, Nate. Yeah, no problem. Talk to you later. Yep. Bye. Thanks for joining us today. If you enjoyed our podcast, please share with a friend. We're new to this podcasting thing, and we'd love to hear what you have to say. Tweet us at Searching for SAS on Twitter. That's Searching, the number four, SAS. Or send an email to searchingforsass at gmail.com. See you next week.